Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome to Mapping the College Audition, a podcast where we explore the landscape of the college theater world and try to demystify this daunting audition process. I'm your host, Charlie Murphy, director of MTCA, Musical Theater College Auditions. And today, we've got a sunny and dry show lined up for you. Uh, Danny Gerwin from the University of Arizona. We loved having Danny and his colleagues at our virtual college fair this summer, and I really love chatting with him here. Today with Danny, we got into the different acting styles they study at Arizona and the acting focus of their acting and musical theater program. We talk about the integration and distinctions of their actors and their MTs within the same program. Uh, we talk about their digital showcase and what they, the shift that they made, the pivot they made um, with COVID, which is going to stick for them. Um, we talk about some of those softer moments you can find in a virtual audition um, with the four points of Zoom. Uh, we talk about scholarships and how everyone gets one based on their grades to the University of Arizona. And Danny points out what may be obvious, but still important, the warm alternative to some of these East Coast schools that Arizona presents. But Megan, before we get to Danny, happy almost Christmas or happy holidays, but I know we're both Christmas celebrators. Um, How have your Christmas preparations been? It's been quite festive thus far. So I did like a little stint back in Chicago after Thanksgiving with my parents in New Jersey. A lot of traveling for COVID times, Mm -hmm. to be honest. But I'm clear thus far. Um, I did like the Lincoln Park Zoo lights. So I saw all those pretty lights. I also, my parents unfortunately lost their artificial tree in a little flood they got in their basement. So this year... They got their first real tree, and I talked them mm-hmm. into getting a 10-foot-tall tree, which is the tallest one that we've ever had in that space. But I've named it Freddie. It's a staple mm-hmm. in the household now, and I'm very excited to go see it again for Christmas time. Freddie the fur? Is it a fur? No, it's just Freddie the tree. <laughs> Freddie the tree. We love that. I also love that you like talked about how you lost your artificial tree, like you lost a pet. Like I was really ready to be sympathized. Like, unfortunately, we lost our um, our artificial tree. Like you didn't give it to me like it was going to be a tree. I don't think you understand. I've had that tree since I've been like five years old. It might as well be part of my Christmas experience. Okay. Well, then you then you gave that appropriate line reading. <laughs> they got every set of that artificial tree. So <laughs> this tree chopping down experience was my first experience. Well, so ironic. It was also my first time with a real tree that we've gone to a tree farm and chopped down. Uh, Elizabeth and I went a couple last weekend um, to this like tree farm in deep New Jersey. We like took a full trip. We got in the car, like poor Solvay's like screaming her head off. We're like, we're going to do this thing. We're going to saw it down ourselves. We're going to have this authentic experience. And we went to this tree farm and like all the trees were super ugly. And we were like, 
So we look a little depressed at first and we're like, do we turn back? What do we do? And then we just decided we're going to lean into the experience and get mm. the ugliest tree we could possibly find. <laughs> we're not going to just get like a, like there are a couple you could almost kind of pipe in more for one that's like they've shaved it into being kind of normal. We're like, no, that's not what we're doing. We went, we bought this beauty um, who's like so tall. She, Did you name it? We've named her Zion. Yeah, it's what we almost named our, our child. So that's how much we love her is that we gave her the, the name that we almost gave Solvay. Um, she's super tall. She's like super skinny. Um, and she's like a full three acts. You know, she has like this like weird, really shaved, like close to the ground bottom, which we gave like twinkle lights to it. And then she has like this big full middle that's like almost a whole tree in and of itself in the middle. Like it looks normal. We gave that colored lights. And then there's this like top part that's like, weird and bristly and misshapen and we put a face on it we put a little face on the top of it just so you have like three full different trees stacked on top of each other i will leak it to our listeners that i have seen this tree and it truly does look like a shish kebab tree i told charlie or alternatively it looks like something straight out of whoville and like the grinch tree how dare you our our house is full of christmas cheer cheer we say in this household so much no, for christmas the end of grinch when he's like fully oh, right. accepting christmas the heart has grown three sizes yeah well just, mm -hmm. that's the the metaphor i made when we had our baby was that my heart grew sizes. that middle of the tree is the heart growing three sizes <laughs> we'll, we'll post this in our our instagram just so you can really appreciate our trees mm -hmm. well i hope all of you out there are having as much christmas fun as uh meg and i are in whatever holidays you're celebrating at this moment um and let's get to this episode with danny Well, we are honored to have Danny Gerwin on the pod today. Uh, Danny has a BFA in musical theater from the University of Michigan. We've heard of it. Um, he's been all over Broadway in shows like Little Women, Urinetown, The Full Monty, Scarlet Pimpernel, A Little Night Music, Kismet, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. That's too many Broadway shows, Danny, for us to read them all. Um, he's been on your TV screens in shows like Desperate Housewives, Law and Order, The Young and the Restless, and has directed and taught all over the country. Um, the University of Arizona, where Danny now is, uh, is located in Tucson, Arizona. They take class sizes about 16 to 18 students, and they offer degrees in acting, musical theater, and other degrees in design and technical production, film, television, and theater studies. Danny, welcome on the pod. How are you doing, man? I'm good. Thanks. It's great to be here. It's great to have you. Um, before we dive too deep into Arizona itself, I'd love to talk a bit about your own background. So how did you find yourself after that fabulous Broadway career um, ending up at this university? Uh, well, I um, I started teaching uh, master classes and things when I was on Broadway. It's a great, it's one of the perks of, of working on Broadway, I think, you know, opportunities to work with students. Uh, work with groups who come to see the show, do workshops, things like that. And I really enjoyed it. And so I began teaching um, when I moved to Los Angeles in 2006. Um, so I started teaching in LA, um, more of a half-time basis. Um, and um, I really enjoyed it. It was something that was very fulfilling. I enjoyed passing down ideas and thoughts. And uh, I really learned a lot about how to teach when I first began, you know, when you're first getting out there. Um, and then in uh, 2012, I received a phone call from the University of Arizona because I had worked at different colleges around the country by that point. And they asked me if I wanted to come be a guest professor for a term. And I said, yes, that sounds great. I wanted to experience that. And uh, 
at the end of my time there, there was a position available and they asked me if I would like to become a professor. And I thought it's a huge leap, uh, but I'm going to take it. So I've been at Arizona now for 10 years and, uh, and I'm having a great time. It's so cool. And certainly that work is paying off. I, I can say Arizona is one of those schools that has been rocketing up the list of our students. We see it more and more over the past 10 years on more and more students' lists. Well, thank you. Um, let's get a little bit into uh, the school itself. Um, and I know it's not easy to kind of sum up in brief, like, what do you think makes a University of Arizona student? But what do you think makes a, a University of Arizona student? <laughs> um, well, I think a student who's super curious, who's super uh, inventive, uh, who's super unique and wants to learn how to approach all the work from an acting mm. standpoint. We look at all the work here at the university through the actor's lens. So whether you're dancing, whether you're singing, whether you're doing scene work or a monologue, uh, it's all seen through that actor's lens. So I think, and we have a, a wonderful program to back all that up. So I think students that are looking for, who have those qualities that are looking for a university like that, um, Arizona may be the perfect place. I love it. So let's imagine now I'm a student. I come in. I'm I'm curious. I'm unique. I'm ready to look at things through an acting lens. How am I going to change over the course of four years? What am I going to learn curriculum-wise that's going to change me as an artist and a technician? Well, our acting class, first of all, you travel as a cohort. It's an integrated class of acting and musical theater majors together. And that happens in your voice and movement track for the mm -hmm. actor, but also in your acting track. Uh, we begin in the first three semesters with modern realism. Uh, you move on to Chekhov after that, some poetic realism for you. And then in the junior year, you're on to Shakespeare and restoration. And then we bring it full circle in the senior year as we prepare for showcase back to contemporary realism and um, contemporary plays, uh, things like that. Um, in terms of the musical theater curriculum, it's the same idea. You start with an introductory year of musical theater, and then you move on to performance work. Uh, which includes working on on songs within the given circumstances of the shows. So students mm -hmm. get a sense of creating a character and analyzing that character. Uh, in the junior year, we go into scene work. So musical theater scene work is something we do a ton of. And then in the senior year, again, we're back to um, preparing your book, getting you ready not only for showcase, but for all your time outside the university. So the minute you graduate, you are ready to go uh, and everything's mm -hmm. prepared. Um, so for those MT students, so, so I love the idea of you guys are an acting focus, or you're willing to, to look through everything through that lens of, of acting first. Tell me a little bit more about the song and dance training that I'm going to get um, as a musical theater student. Well, we have a terrific faculty. I'm really proud to be a part of this faculty. Um, my colleagues are all working professionals in, in the business, and we each bring something unique, I think, to the, uh, to the classroom. Uh, you're going to get great dance training with uh, Professor Christy Kerr. Um, you need 10 credits of dance to graduate here, and uh, essentially you take four of those credits within the department, and that's musical theater styles one and two, and mm -hmm. then you will take the rest of your credits in the dance school, and Arizona has one of the top dance schools in the country, so that includes your ballet, your modern, uh, your jazz, uh, Africana dance, uh, hip-hop, mm -hmm. all things like that, so you have the opportunity to work in the dance school as well as in terms of the musical theater school. Um, and uh, in terms of the acting, we, uh, we have great professors that, that are able to really connect with students, connect their professional experience, and bring all that to the classroom. And so as you're working through different styles, you're also learning how, how technique works, how you bring yourself to the work, which is, of course, what we're all looking to do. You know, you are the, you are the instrument. And so we are always keeping that in the forefront of our minds as we work mm -hmm. through uh, your time here. 
And what about for acting students? So say I'm, I'm a, a, an acting major. What kind of musical theater, if I was that acting major who's also kind of likes to sing and I'm, I kind of want to dance, but I want to focus more on acting, what kind of, do I get any a musical theater training as a, an acting student? Uh, you can. Against, uh, some acting majors don't want that at all. And there are some that are very interested in it. I will actually fold an acting majors into the musical theater one class, give mm-hmm. them a sense of uh, foundation work and understand how creating a musical theater character works and how to mm-hmm. perform a song. It's acting through the song. So they can apply some of the same techniques that they're learning in their acting classes, of course, to, to musical theater work. Um, uh, the thing that, that uh, acting majors also have is, uh, is specialties in film acting and screen acting. Uh, musical theater majors are allowed to take that course as well as an elective, but it's required for the acting majors. So again, we take everybody through that progression from contemporary realism through Shakespeare and, and beyond, uh, and then they're allowed to perform musical theater classes. They actually can audition for um, production musicals. Mm-hmm. So uh, no matter what major you are, you audition for everything. So we have musical theater majors in the plays. We have acting majors in the musicals. So we give everybody an opportunity to perform uh, as much as they can and in, in as many different genres and uh, as they can. I love it. And then what about outside of the theater program? You talked a little bit about the dance um, world, but um, just in the larger university, what does the University of Arizona provide to a student outside of just the acting musical theater world? Yeah, it's, um, it's a research one university is what they call it. So it's, uh, you get the huge university feel, you get, you know, football and, and basketball and all the, the games, all, you get all that university pride. Uh, but you have a small conservatory uh, uh, where you're acting and your musical theater work are, mm-hmm. are being done. So you get, you can make a, a a big school small, but you can't necessarily make a small school big. So mm-hmm. if you want that full college experience uh, in terms of your gen eds, uh, then this might be a, a really good place. And also then getting your training in a smaller, more intimate way. And why do you find, you know, if you're accepting students and they've got a lot of great acceptances, why do you find a student might not choose your school? Why do they end up, you know, if you hear, hey, I ended up going this direction, do, what kind of reasons or, or what conclusions do they come to? If they usually, end up it's, usually has to do with academics. Uh, there is a, a gate here. Uh, so the university looks at, you know, applications um, and usually maintaining a 3.0 is needed in all your classes. To maintain your scholarships, you need to keep a 3.0. To maintain your standing in the program, you have to maintain a 3.0. Mm-hmm. So for some students, college is hard, and it's not necessarily their favorite thing, going to classes again, and, and especially at the college level. So mm-hmm. so that's one of the main reasons that students uh, will, will not uh, choose Arizona. But on the other hand, it's a reason that many students do choose Arizona. So mm-hmm. it's, it's sort of both things. Um, yeah, it's, it's fun. And the students are all very close. I mean, we have a, a, we like to think it's a family vibe here. So students, you know, that everyone hangs out together. Uh, they're all very tight, uh, very supportive of each other. It's competitive to a certain extent because of, you know, production work, but everyone Mm -hmm. knows how to support everybody. And, and, uh, and that I'm very proud of. Hmm. Um, anything else we missed about your school in general that, that you would want a, a prospective student to know about University of Arizona? Let's see. Uh, we do have a senior showcase. Uh, 
that's a digital showcase that we film in January. We prepare it all in the fall term, and then we uh, we film it in the spring term. That's mm-hmm. uh, rather new. We we pivoted during COVID, and we found it was actually incredibly successful. So we're keeping that. That's the one good thing I can say that we're keeping from COVID uh, is the showcase. So we do mm-hmm. have that. We introduce you to the industry. Uh, we have a lot of friends. You know, all of our friends from New York and L.A., uh, we, we introduce you to all of them and, and, and we post it on the casting, uh, on breakdown services and all mm-hmm. over. So students are seen by, you know, thousands of casting directors and agents and managers, uh, at a time. So it's, it's, uh, it's very exciting. It's such a smart takeaway to do from COVID. I've just like the, the number, the number of times, especially in my early career, where I wish I would like, here's a great reel of me that I already have created when I haven't done a lot of TV and film work. It's so okay. cool to be able to have that already recorded as opposed to like, hey, go back and watch my showcase. Like, it's yeah. like too, too late. That happened already, you know, because um, people are like want to meet you at 24. Yeah, we also have a close relationship with the film school. Mm-hmm. And so there are tons of student thesis films being done all the time. So we encourage students to participate in those the minute they get here. So we have six freshmen right now that are filming thesis films. So in addition to the showcase, students often graduate with a digital reel that they can take with. Mm. Okay. Well, let's take a quick break. We're going to sell some ads. Um, and in a second here, when we're back, we'll be with Danny talking about the University of Arizona audition process. All right. We are back with Danny Gerwin here to talk about the audition process. So in short, Danny, um, what do you think makes a great audition for you? Oh, great audition. Um, first of all, we're looking for nice people, you know, just someone who comes in the room, knows who they are and is kind, you know, that makes a big difference, especially for four years. You want to work with someone who's going to bring their best to the classroom every day. So that's something that we look for. Um, you know, we look for, um, students that are unique, that have a unique perspective on their work and know how to sort of begin at least to connect to material and understand style. To a certain mm-hmm. extent, uh, we, we look for trainability, of course, as most universities would, so that it doesn't have to be perfect. In fact, mm-hmm. students that make mistakes and try to recover are some of our favorites. Um, you know, so the more you know your material, the better you connect with it. Um, you know, the more uh, connection we're going to feel with you. So mm-hmm. I think that's something that that we will look for. Is there anything that's like a big turnoff for you in an audition? This is all my students' favorite question. They always want to know, what shouldn't I do? Um, is there anything that you go, oh, please don't do this in an audition for me? Please don't sing Try Me. Um, there are a couple songs <laughs> there you go. Not for Danny, at least. that are popular. Um, and some can be overdone. So I would say there's a couple that, that we, uh, we, we're, we're fine when we hear them, but um, we like to hear other things as well. Um, we don't put out a list of, of, of songs not to sing. I mean, some schools actually do that, and that's not mm-hmm. something we want to do. We want to encourage students to find material that they're comfortable with, whatever it is, um, even if it's Try Me. And, uh, but you're just saying Try Me something else. Try Me try me another song maybe that's a little <laughs> more unusual. Yeah. Um, I love it. What about how do any of those answers change in uh, either a pre-screen audition or a video audition as you think about, is there any kind of different advice that you throw out to someone if you're watching a a recorded or a virtual audition? Um, Not really. I mean, you have to, if you're on Zoom, uh, we do do a virtual day of auditions. That's something that we'll Mm -hmm. continue to do uh, in addition to our in-person callbacks that we have. Uh, But in terms of pre-screens, I mean, you know, you can actually succeed playing it uh, not being as big. 
mm-hmm. as you would maybe on stage or in person, um, because of because of the camera and the four corners that you're that you're playing within. Um, but at the same time, um, we want people to find what's theatrical about the material. Um, but being reserved and having restraint uh, online is something that we sometimes see and, and really respond to. Mm-hmm. Understanding how to control things and, and find, you know, softer moments that, um, you know, you can contrast with something much bigger, depending on your pieces. You know, we look for that variety and that versatility as well. Totally. Um, all right. My favorite question, which is if you had to estimate how much of your decision, your artistic decision in the room is based on like the skill displayed in the material. So like what they actually get up and sing and act in for you mm-hmm. versus those intangibles of like what happens if you throw an interview question or if you give an adjustment or the interaction that happens in the room that's not in the material. Oh. So how much is in one column? How much in column B? Gosh. Um, I guess I would say they're even to a certain extent. Um, you know, you have to, if the work that you choose, the selections you choose are half of it, then, then I think it's fair to say the more, the 50% of you, you bring to that work is what brings it alive. Hmm. So I think I would, I would split the columns evenly. And then what, just to add more columns to it, how does that work then with, now you have an artistic decision, potentially or artistic vote or grade, or how does that then work with the academics for the university in terms of the student actually getting in? Is, is it just a bar they have to pass or does the university get a real um, weighing in on on who you end up accepting? Uh, well, the, the first thing students do is apply to the university. So, and that's something that we don't have any part in. We can see all their applications. We get transcripts. We look at grade points. Uh, and this, the, what's great about the financial aid system here is that every student immediately is awarded uh, a tuition waiver of some size, depending mm-hmm. on their grade point average. And it no longer uh, considers test scores. You can supply mm-hmm. those, but it, that's not what uh, they're looking at and they're analyzing. But that GPA is really important. So I think that's why Arizona is a challenging academic school as well, mm-hmm. because it, it and, does look for that. Uh, and, and again, money is given right away to students uh, who have a, a higher GPA. And once they've passed that academic bar, maybe with the pre-screen, and now you're looking at them, now the decision is all yours. You, you can pick. Uh, these are the people we're actually accepting. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, a small contingent of us. There's three professors, really, that do recruiting. Uh, we just mm-hmm. traveled to Dallas uh, for an, an event, and we'll mm-hmm. travel uh, to Unifines in Chicago and L.A., or now Anaheim, I should say, Chicago and Anaheim. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll do three. Fix that. Fix that in post, Megan. You can help them out. Every, everybody's saying LA when they mean Anaheim. It's been we've all been doing it this year. Um, and uh, and then we do on campus dates, which we encourage for students, so they can do their callbacks and meet the whole faculty. They can mm-hmm. meet students, get a sense of student life, hang out a bit, um, and explore. And so that's something that we we encourage in terms of callbacks. But you will be treated equally whether you do your callback in Chicago or Anaheim. Um, those will be video recorded and brought back to the mm-hmm. full faculty to to watch. I love it. And then you talked about, you know, the lens of acting first in terms of the way you, you teach. Is that also true in the audition in, in terms of are you weighing acting more heavily in terms of the admission or are you weighing all three disciplines equally or some schools maybe say, I'm going to throw this discipline out, the, the third of your discipline and, and take the first two. How does that work in terms of the final artistic decision for you? I think we weigh them all evenly. Uh, you know what I mean? I mean, a student that, uh, a student, though a student who is a fantastic actor who doesn't sing as well may get 
the same attention that a fantastic singer gets. So mm-hmm. um, again, we do, we do, I guess we prioritize that to a certain extent, but not in terms of a number system. We don't mm-hmm. grade those things specifically, um, but it's because it's one combined score essentially. Um, and then we look at the scores, everything is, is, is put together and we, mm-hmm. you know, students are essentially ranked uh, based on the scores, but we score blindly. So we don't know what another professor is scoring uh, mm-hmm. in terms of, in terms of callbacks. Um, but then that becomes a holistic score. That's a score for you as a musical theater major for all three disciplines. Right, for all three disciplines, mm-hmm. essentially. Mm-hmm. Love it. Um, well, great. Well, let's just wrap with this. Is there any like advice that you would give to a student who's auditioning for your school, let's say this year? Is there any big advice that you would give to them? Uh, I guess I would say love your material. Um, just be careful that, you know, there's so many coaches out there that that they give you something and it's, it fits all the criteria, you know, it's a, it's a ballad before 1970. Why should you do this one? That you, that you actually do love it because that can make a big difference. You know, you can kind of mm-hmm. tell when a student has, has chosen a piece that isn't quite the right fit. And mm-hmm. so I guess I would encourage everybody to make sure that they, they love their monologues. Um, some students get really nervous and want to do their monologue first. Like I, uh, try not to have that attitude of, oh, I want to get this over with. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's a really beautiful piece of the audition, and it's something that's important to us. Uh, and so hopefully students will love their material enough to, to be confident to do it in any order they want mm-hmm. and, uh, and know that there's no throwaway portion of the audition. I love it. Um, okay, we'll just wrap with a couple questions kind of looking forward and, and looking back. I'd love to talk a little bit about the specific challenges of 2020 and 2021 sure. um, and maybe some of the ways that your school has pivoted, as you mentioned, to meet the moment. Um, maybe we can start with the, the conversation about uh, the demands for racial equity and then maybe get into some of those specifics of how you've pivoted virtually. Right. So um, we actually did a deep dive into that uh, this year uh, into equity, diversity and inclusion. And we actually brought in a specialist, uh, Professor Kaya Dunn from North Carolina, and she came in and worked not only with the faculty, but with the students as well uh, in terms of, uh, you know, not only talking about issues and, and allowing people to ask questions that maybe will, would be uncomfortable, um, but uh, brought us all together and, and began a dialogue and helped us begin that dialogue uh, and mediate it in a really beautiful way. And that was the first step that was very helpful. Um, she also took a look at all of our curriculum um, and our syllabi and, uh, you know, made us each individually look at uh, what we were assigning and how it was assigned uh, and trying to decolonize that, you know, especially things like Shakespeare, even musical theater performance, making mm-hmm. sure that uh, writers of color are represented, composers and lyricists of color. Um, and, and in general, was was incredibly insightful and, and uh, encouraging. And so that was our, that's what, that's what we did uh, this year to make sure that we were, you know, all, and last year to make sure we were, you know, listening, um, mm-hmm. and really hearing each other and, and seeing each other in the moment. And so that's the work we continue to do. Uh, it's not perfect uh, yet, but we are always working toward that. Uh, we want to make mm-hmm. sure students are comfortable, that they feel included, that they uh, understand they understand the difference between looking at work in terms of a historical context, but we can talk about exactly what it is that they're concerned about. You know, looking at in musical theater history, looking at um, you know actors in yellowface or blackface, and mm-hmm. being able to talk about it and, and have a really rich conversation. Mm. 
And then what about some of those virtual pivots that you've already you talked about the showcase pivoting to be recorded virtual? Right. Um, are there other things that you have done in terms of, I know you also mentioned the audition, but also classes and in terms of, uh, you know, has anything sort of been gleaned from this uh, crazy year that we've all just had? Well, um, yeah, well, you know, we don't love Zoom. Uh, there are some classes that continue on Zoom, uh, but this year we're all in person. Uh, students are masked uh, inside the studios. We have an exemption, though. They perform without masks. The audience mm -hmm. is more than six feet away, and we're very proud that our students are vaccinated. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I think we're, we're hoping that as, as cases go down in Arizona, that maybe next term we can even unmask for performances in class. Uh, mm -hmm. but right now, we, we do have that exemption on, the, on campus for performing without them in the, in the shows. And that's been really helpful, I think, um, mm -hmm. encouraging for the students. Uh, I think they, they get a little frustrated and I'm, I'm not, uh, I don't blame them at all. Uh, in terms of the year we had last year, uh, we were all online. Um, we made sure that students were safe. We were following all the CDC guidelines and protocols. Uh, and this year it's, it's better. And we're hoping that next year is, is even betterer, uh, yeah. is, uh, you know, so we'll, we'll keep following all that. We, we keep a, a very close eye on it. We want to make sure, sure students are safe at all times. That's our first priority. And, um, so that's, that's one thing we learned is that totally that it's not as fun as being in person and <laughs> playing with your friends. We don't love Zoom. I could put that on, uh, just the way you said that, I could put that on a loop. And we don't love Zoom? It's not my favorite? Not favorite. I, I've, I've already declared to all my friends I'm not going to another Zoom concert. I'm, I'm out on any kind of performance. I just can't do it. I'll come see you live, but I can't do the Zoom right, concert. Right, um, but you did mention then that the 2022 season, at least, there is going to be a virtual audition day. Is that something you guys are can continue um, onward or is that just sort of case by case? Oh, yes. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we are going to keep it in place. Uh, so that's for any student who can't afford to travel to all of these conferences or can't get to campus in a, in a certain time frame. Mm -hmm. You know, so many students are performing now, too. They're back on stage themselves in their high school shows and they can't actually make it. They have competitions that they're doing. So yeah, that virtual day is for everybody um, who can't make it to a callback in person. So uh, I think we'll keep that in place. Uh, it's been very, we did all of last year on Zoom, of course, in terms of auditions. Mm -hmm. um, but we did find we can still find students that way. We, you know, we found our whole freshman class, our current class from Zoom. So we're confident that we're able to still assess students in a really um, complete and positive way uh, on Zoom. Um, any final thoughts? Anything else that you missed that you really wanted to get in um, about the audition process, about Arizona, or, or anything that we didn't hit? Uh, it's a it's a great city. Um, it's warm here. You get all the musical theater and none of the snow. Um, yes. So there's that. Um, you know, it's a it's a great alternative to all those schools on the East Coast. I mean, being where we are in the Southwest, um, you know, it's close to L.A. A lot of our students actually head to L.A. after graduation. Uh, uh, you know, usually it's Habsies. We have mm -hmm. a lot of actors travel to New York. Some go to Chicago and some go to right to L.A. They really find mm -hmm. that the film curriculum they have here has inspired them to pursue TV and film. And so we're close by there. You know, everything's a you know a drive away. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's a great place to be. And so hopefully students will uh, more of your students will consider Arizona. 
Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you, you're not wrong that so much of the concentration of these programs is on the East Coast. And to, to be that that hub is, is really fantastic. Yeah, I mean, and to be that for cold. Students who don't you, wanna, wanna, you don't want to be cold. Enough. Come on, it's college. I want to go to those football games. I want to go to the basketball games. And I want to be wearing shorts when I do it. Exactly. Exactly. Um, well, Danny, if people wanted to hear more from you, they can follow you at at DB Gerwin on Instagram. Is that right? That's right. And they can also follow the program at uh, U Arizona Acting MT. Uh, U Arizona the- Acting MT. It's just that easy. Just to it's write it up. U Arizona and, Acting and, MT. You know, you'll see posts about alumni and alumni success, about what we're doing currently, about student success in the classroom. Uh, so that's a great place to be. And we also post updates in terms of... Um, auditioning and recruitment. We'll also post some things on there for students to follow up with. Uh, Danny, it was so nice to get to chat with you today. Thank you so much for the time. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, I hope you enjoyed that chat with Danny Gerwin. Um, I thought he was really easy to talk to, and he has this like really bright and cogent approach to their educational philosophy, which I really dig. Um, I just wanted to take a second and do a bit of a deeper dive on something Danny touched on. Um, He didn't go into it deeply, but it's something I've been wanting to go into for a while. When he talked about their BFA conservatory within a larger university, um, he said the phrase, you can make big small, but you can't make small big as a selling point to their school. And I just wanted to address some of the potential word confusion when I hear people talking about conservatory versus BFA versus BA versus BM versus liberal arts. these terms are often used slightly differently by different people, and it can get confusing because uh, sometimes people are describing the educational focus of the school, and sometimes they're describing the environment of the school. Um, and it's not so important that you're all on the same page with exactly what these terms mean. I just want you to kind of understand what's behind some of these terms in terms of what's relevant for you. Um, so there are some examples of schools on the far end of the spectrum. I don't know why I always call this the left of the spectrum that are conservatories by all definitions, meaning they are not affiliated with the university at all. And they are conservatory style education. That's the far end. And then there's schools on the far right that are liberal arts educations in theater at universities, which are on that. And again, it could be flip the left or right or up or down, however you do it. But you could major in theater at these universities, but not specialize at all. Right. So they'd be like, majoring in English at any university where you get a BA and there's nothing special about the theater major in terms of applying to the school. It just happens to be what you major in. But when we talk about most audition-based programs, the vast majority of audition-based programs that students look at, we're talking about some schools that fit in between those two ends of the spectrum, right? It might be a school that's a conservatory-style BFA school housed within a university like Carnegie Mellon, my alma mater, Or it might be an audition-based BA program where you take specialized classes, but still a whole lot of gen eds as well. And everything in between exists as well. So you could have anything that's going to be a BFA, or in this case, we'll loop BM in with BFA for musical theater. There's really a distinction without a huge difference in terms of the amount of specialization there, is going to have some conservatory style elements. So any BFA is going to have some conservatory style elements, even if there are still a significant amount of gen eds like an NYU, where you have both studio classes and university classes and a significant amount of those latter. But I think rather than think of it as a binary, is a school a conservatory or is it not? Or is it a liberal arts school? I think it's helpful to think about it as a spectrum and where it fits fits on that spectrum. And ultimately, I think the most helpful way to actually analyze this is by curriculum. How many non-theater classes are you taking? 
that's when we're talking about how specialized is a school from an artistic, excuse me, from an academic perspective. When we're talking about environment, of course, you can know, is there sports and is there other things? Is there sports? I sound like whatever. Are there sports? Um, and are there other university elements that go beyond just the conservatory if it is just a conservatory or if the arts is the entire part of the school? All of these distinctions matter a lot in to the kind of training you're going to get and the educational experience you'll have. To be honest, once you're out in the world, the business will not know these intimate distinctions. They don't know whether it was a BFA style, conservatory style, or BFA liberal arts style. They just know the school you went and they'll see the actor in front of them. But it is really important for you to understand as you're building your list, or for those who already have their list built, are ultimately deciding where they want to spend four years. Well, if you spent these four years with this podcast, it wasn't four years, maybe it was 40 minutes, um, and enjoy this episode, please follow along, hit that subscribe button. Um, we would also really appreciate it if you were to rate and review us wherever you find us. I suggest five stars if you're a mature adult and an ironic five stars if you giggle every time I say the M. Uh, you can also reach out to us with questions for the pod at mailbag at mappingwithcollegeaddition.com or reach out to me and Megan directly um, on social media. I'm at Charmer7 and Megan is at MeganMarie2014. Uh, if you're interested in working with MTCA for help with your individualized prep for your college edition journey, please check us out at mtcollegeauditions.com. You can also follow us at Musical Theater College Editions on Instagram or at TweetMTCA on Twitter. And by the time you're listening to this, we'll be up on YouTube and maybe even that silly little app that all you kids are on, the TikToks. To my young artists out there mapping their journeys, is a winter in shorts truly a winter? I'll see you next week. Have you ever wondered how your favorite performer actually feels? Well, here's your chance. Welcome to The Quiet Part Out Loud with me, Bobby Steggert, Broadway actor and now a therapist to a whole host of Broadway creatives. Part interview, part therapy, this is not your typical podcast. We'll go right to the heart of things with some of your favorite artists, what they still struggle with, what lessons they've learned, what they haven't figured out yet. There is enormous power in saying the quiet part out loud. Are you listening? Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.